Hey, good morning. How are you guys? I really was encouraged, like, in worship this morning. There was, like, um, I don't know. I could sense this, like, almost vulnerability um, that we are getting as a body and as a church to be, like, to actually express our hunger for God. Did you guys sense that? I don't know. It's like, and I'll tell you one thing I know about the Holy Spirit. He is attracted to hunger. He can't, he can't stay away from his kids that are hungry for him. And um, I don't know, so that's really encouraged me. I just, I just feel like the Lord just wants to encourage us that um, we've got an awesome body, you know, of our, our church family here, people that are really hungry for God. We're really going to see the Lord move in our body this year in a tremendous way. I really believe that. And I just, I feel like, you know, we've been sharing a little bit about that. And I do want to share a little bit about that today. You know, that, that God does have purposes for our local body. You know, that, you know, he like actually has thoughts about this little church on Market Street. And um, he's got dreams for our church. Did you guys know that? We're not just kind of like, we're just going to do status quo Every Sunday, every week, he's got dreams and he has vision for our church, and and um, and he wants to do awesome things in this little body. And uh, so, I want to encourage you guys about that. And I'm just so encouraged, like how worship has just been—I don't know—good. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Just so good, and uh, and and it's not, and it's. And it's not just because we have an awesome worship team. We really do have an awesome worship team. Um, but it's because of, of you guys, too. Coming hungry. Coming expectant. Going after God. Not holding back. You know, we were singing, you know, the, this morning about, you know, we just want to see him. And, um, and I really believe we're going to see him this year. And and not that we haven't seen him in other years, but <laughs> but I think in a tremendous way. So this morning, it's already been kind of talked about, like through the worship and even what Joel was sharing. And I, I really feel like God wants to address some things this morning, specifically for us as a body. How many of you guys were here? Uh, when we were talking about some of the stuff that the Lord was giving us prophetically when we went off to um, Moravian Falls as a leadership team. Do you guys, who, who, who here heard that? Yeah, most of you guys. In a nutshell, basically, the Lord was speaking to us out of Ephesians 3, out of many other scriptures, but, but, the, but the main one was Ephesians 3, and it talks about the love of God, the love of Christ. And it talks about being rooted and grounded in his love. And you guys know that uh, if you weren't there, listen to the podcast. I'm going to go through the whole thing. There's a crazy Pictionary story connected with that and um, just God confirming, hey, I'm about this this year and um, for your church. And the reason, well, first off, you know, we were created to have a love relationship with the Lord. I mean, that's, that's how he made us. But really, that, that love relation and that, that being grounded and rooted in love is going to be preparing us for the power that is coming, the power of the Holy Spirit 
signs, wonders, miracles, healings, the prophetic on a whole nother level, all of these things. It's preparing us to be able to handle the power, right? So that's that picture of being grounded, right? Like a grounding rod for a house where the power doesn't necessarily corrupt us or, uh, but that, that we would distribute the power of God through the love of God. And um, so I want to talk about that this morning. How do we practically do that? That's very nice and like, you know, conceptual, right? But what does that practically look like? How do you get grounded and rooted in love? I can tell you all day, hey, you need to be grounded and rooted in love. You, but like, that's cool. All right, well, how do you do it? <laughs> I have this mental concept of it, okay, yeah, and this truth, this idea of like, yeah, Scripture says that I need to be rooted in ground love, so how do you actually do it? So we want to talk about that a little bit as well, but I want to lay a little bit of foundation here. I want to talk about, first talk about three things. Um, Number one, you were created to have a love relationship with God. I know that sounds super basic, Right? But we need to, I want to go deep in, deeper into that idea. Number two, experientially knowing his love for you will cause you to live holy. And it will protect you from the power of God. Not necessarily protect you that the power of God is going to hurt you, but that like when the power, when God uses you and the power of God is moving through you by his Holy Spirit, that you're you're distributing it well, if that makes sense. Because that's really what we are. We are a conduit of the Holy Spirit really moving through us, touching the world, reconciling the world to God, right? Through the message of the cross, um, you know, those ambassadors that we are. So, And then number three, I want to talk about things that are hindering us from receiving this love. Okay, real practical. We'll get real practical about some stuff. And uh, we'll do some ministry. I, I feel like the Lord really wants to touch some people today. He wants to touch people, you know, every day. But I, I feel like specifically in this area, I feel like he wants to show his love for you this morning. So I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We thank you. You are here right now. We just thank you that your presence is here. We ask that you would keep coming, that your presence would increase that, Lord, your love would increase, that we would experientially know your love, Lord, even now, even through what I'm speaking, Lord. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would be coming, ministering to people, touching people, speaking to hearts this morning. We invite you to do that, Holy Spirit. We love your presence. We need you. I need you. In Jesus' name. All right, cool. So number one, you were created to have a love relationship with God. Well, duh, Paul. (laughs) We talk about this every day, right? We talk about this every Sunday. But what does that really look like, a love relationship with God? You know, I call it a devotional love relationship with God, where we are devoted in love with him, and he is devoted to love towards us. And even Khalil, he was even singing that this morning about, I knew that I was supposed to speak on this, when he started singing about, like, you are my beloved. Because that's who you guys are. 
That's who I am. We are the beloved of God. And this is a very conceptual concept that most believers have in their head, but they do not live the reality of it because they think just having this truth in their head means that they're experiencing it in their life. But guess what? You can believe something and have a truth in your head, but not really live it and not really experience it. You know, the Pharisees, they searched the scriptures. They knew the scriptures better than any person on the earth. They memorized whole books of the Torah. I mean, they knew the word of God more than anybody else. And they literally had the word of God become flesh, physically standing in front of them, and they didn't notice him. They didn't know it was him. So I'm saying that because just because you have a concept and you have you memorize scripture and you do all the right things doesn't mean that you necessarily are experientially knowing it in your life. Does that make sense? All right. So number one, you were created for have a love relationship with God. You know, when God created Adam and when he created you, he literally created and we call it sometimes like that God-shaped hole, right? He literally created you and I to have a need for him. And we've talked about this before, but he literally created you that if he doesn't fill this need, you will be hungry, that you will be wanting, you'll be needing to fill this thing if he doesn't fill it. Does that make sense? We all have it. God made us that way. He designed us to like live in intimate relationship with him and not separate from him. He did not create us to be independent from him. Okay? And you know, so, um, and I want to kind of prove this point here a little bit through some scriptures here so you guys really have a, a understanding of like, yeah, we have this thing, this need. You know, God created this need in you for you to experience his love in a real and practical and tangible way. His love is not conceptual. It is actual. It is an actual thing. It is actually has, it's something to experience. Does that make sense? And uh, I, I know a lot of you guys are like, well, yeah, duh, Paul, I know all this. But I'm, trying, I'm going somewhere, trust me, okay? Um, so, you know, if we didn't need God to fill us with his love, we wouldn't need to be praying it. Does that make sense? So let's turn to Ephesians. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians 3. We're going to start there. All right. We're going to start Ephesians 6. So this is the prayer. I'm going to read out the Amplified. This is the prayer. So if we didn't need God's love for us, if we didn't need to experience it, then there wouldn't be a prayer about it in the very word of God. Okay? And this is verse 6. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened 
and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and to be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of the saints the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of it that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which surpasses far mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God and may, be, and may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. All right, that's a mouthful. But that's uh, that's uh, Ephesians. That was Ephesians uh, three, starting in verse six all the way through nineteen. That was the amplified version of it. Okay, so your your guys, if you're reading like NASB or something, it's going to say something similar. But that being said, there is this prayer right that we're reading that says you literally. He's like, Paul's praying, inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray. He's praying for the Ephesians that they would experientially know the love of Christ. And then he kind of quantifies that there's like actually dimensions to the love of God. Did you hear that? That you would know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of it. So there, are, there is a dimension to God's love. And I know a lot of you guys have know this, but you know I've I've encountered the Lord in many ways. I've encountered His love many times, and it, He comes in different ways sometimes. You know, sometimes His love is like real gentle. It's like a warmth. It's like a like a warm blanket right over you. Sometimes it's like it's violent, and it's like fire. I remember one time, and I shared this with you guys before, one time I encountered the Lord's love. I didn't know what it was, and I felt like I was, like, on fire. I felt like I was burning up. I was screaming. <laughs> it didn't hurt, but it was overwhelming. And um, I was like, God, what in the world is this? And he said, this is just a little teeny tiny bit of my love for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. If you turned on the faucet all the way, I'd probably die. So there's different facets of God's love. And you were called, I am called to experience them. You were actually made to experience them. God made you and engineered you in such a way for you to encounter him and encounter his love and then actually be fueled by it and to be able to live by it and be satisfied by it. And I'm saying that all because a lot of times we kind of feel like, well, I don't really deserve God's love. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I mess up so much and, you know, I mean, I'm good with where I'm at, you know, and. And we kind of settle for this kind of mediocre relationship with the Lord when God is like offering us the richest affair. 
And it has nothing to do with what you do or not do. It has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross. And um, so I'm saying that because we were created to have encounters with the love of God and uh, experience it. You know, that's why, you know, I think it's such an interesting contradiction when you get in the scripture and it says that you may really come to know, and I love how the Amplified says, practically, through experience for yourselves, not through some of your neighbor or you hear some stories from myself or whatever, the, the pastor, but that for yourself, that you would experience and pra- practically know it for yourselves, that you would have your own encounters with his love for you that you would be fueled by it. And I love how he goes on and he says, if there's this weird contradiction here, it says that you would know this love, that you would know it, which far surpasses mere knowledge. (laughs) You know, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? How can you know something that is unknowable? He's commanding you to know it, or he's praying that you would know it, but he's saying, wait, you can't know it, it's unknowable. You hear what I'm saying? But he's not talking about a head knowledge. That's why, that's why he's saying that. He's not talking about a head knowledge. He's talking about an experiential knowledge that you would actually have encounters with his love for you. God wants you to have encounters with his love. He made you that way. You cannot live the Christian life without encountering his love. It's impossible. You were, that is the whole purpose of the Christian walk in, love, in, in, in relationship with God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus, he went through tremendous suffering and pain because he had this joy set before him that he would have this love relationship with you. He was picturing, man, I can't wait to get through this thing. Because that veil is going to be torn that Joel was talking about, and I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to be able to, to love on openly, un, like no holds barred or whatever, like nothing's going to hold me back anymore from loving each one of you, each one of me. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about that intimate relationship with you. Okay. And I think it's really cool here because we need the Holy Spirit to do this. I'm breaking, I want to, I really want to, I encourage you guys to kind of like just meditate on this, this portion of scripture, Ephesians 3, you know, because this is, he's wanting to do this in our body. He's spoken very clearly to us that he wants it. But I think it's really cool here. And it says um, in verse uh, 18, it's kind of cool. It says that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend to grasp with all the saints the experience of that love. So we actually need the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to experience the love of Christ. Okay? And um, so, and we talked about this before. I've shared this with you guys before. If, you know, Jesus knew this, he made us, right? And he made us to need him. He made us to need that intimate love relationship with him to experience his tangible love. So what did he do when he came as a man here to this earth 
is he modeled that perfectly, right? He modeled perfectly how to be a son of God. For us who are now, after being born again, have become sons and daughters of God, he was modeling for us how to do this, how to live as a redeemed son, a restored son and daughter, right? So in uh, in Matthew 3, we're going to talk through this. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read through it. Jesus, he reveals to us what it looks like to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Okay, so, if he, uh, so Matthew 3, 16, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my Beloved, in whom I delight. So Jesus is modeling for us, you know, when we become born again, that the very first thing that happens is that we get our identity established as a son and a daughter and as his beloved. So that's actually who you are, and Jesus was modeling this for us. He was showing us that, hey, when you become born again, you need your identity established, first off, that you're a son now, and second off, that you are his beloved. And what does a beloved actually mean? It means that you are literally the object of his love. Think about it like that. You literally have a target, a bullseye on your heart, on you, for his love. When you became born again, you became a son or a daughter by the Holy Spirit, right? You became brand new. The Holy Spirit came in. You were born again. You, were, you became a son and a daughter. And then immediately you had, this target was put on you to be his beloved. And not just like generally speaking here, like, you know, when we think about like God so loved the world, we, you know, we think kind of like, oh, he loves everybody. But no, he loves you. You have become his beloved. And, and we, we talked about this before, you know, this isn't a one-time deal, you know, like Jesus was modeling this for us because he knew that we would need to be fueled by the love of the Father to live this life and that we were actually created, if we were going to function as sons and daughters, we needed it. And we see that this, this same thing happened, right, at the Mount of Transfiguration where you know, he's speaking with Elijah, he's speaking with Moses, and then all of us, and Peter kind of jumps in and says some stuff, and then all of a sudden the father shows up and says, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus lived in this continual love relationship with the father. It wasn't a one-time deal. He just didn't have an encounter with the Lord when he got baptized, and he's like, hey, I'm good, see you, father, see you, you know, like, I'm out, I'm going to do my thing. No, he lived in this continual love relationship, this like love, loving him, being loved by him, loving him, being loved by him. He was fueled by this love, devotional love relationship with the Father. 
It was a daily thing. It wasn't like, oh, man, back in, gosh, 20 years ago, I had this encounter with the Lord, and, man, it changed everything. Like, no, you weren't created to live in past encounters. Your past encounters are awesome, and they, build a, they have built a history with you, with your relationship with the Lord. Just like, you know, when I got married, uh, what, 20 years ago to, to Heather, like, it's an awesome memory. It was an awesome experience, but I am not necessarily living from that place. I'm living with her now in this relationship with her now. Does that make sense? You were created to have a devotional love relationship with the Lord, experientially. And a lot of you are kind of like, man, I long for that. I, you know, I want to know the Lord. I love the Lord. And I, I remember those times, man, I remember when I, you know, back in the day and I was on fire for the Lord and, I, you know, and, and we kind of like, we, we kind of are living in these past experiences with the Lord. And I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage you this morning that he, he wants you to experience him today. That he has new things for you. He wants to show new facets of his love for you. Because he knows you need it. He knows that you can't function without it. What good father who knows that you have a need for something, would withhold it from you. Our Father is the perfect Father. He is so good. He knows we need this. So much so, and we'll get into this, He knows that you need it so much so that He's actually putting some of you guys in situations where things are coming to the surface that are actually hindering you from receiving. Isn't that awesome? God loves us so much that even when we're in a place where we're not able to receive, he puts us in kind of situations to like bring stuff up that is actually hindering us from encountering him. All right, so Jesus, he modeled this perfectly, right? And this is important to, to say before, you know, and we've talked about this before. The first thing that he did before going into ministry, before he did anything, and that, that's really recorded in Scripture as a miraculous ministry. And really, you know, we know he started his ministry at the age of 30 uh, because that's when the high priests they became, you know, high priests at the age of 30. So he was starting that high priestly ministry in the new covenant, but he didn't do anything. He didn't do any necessary ministry. The first thing that he did, the first great thing that Jesus did was not to do what was to receive. And I think so many times we think we need to do, 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 do. And really, God's just saying, no, no, hold up. First off, receive. Then you will do out of receiving. Jesus was modeling that for us. And this was also proving that, like, this was a grace thing. There wasn't anything. He didn't do these things to earn love. He was a son, and because he was a son, he was loved. All right. Kind of like hammer this point, and you were created. Isaiah 55, this says, I'm just going to read this through. Ho, everyone who thirsts, 
Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. So this is an Isaiah, and obviously this is an actual prophecy speaking about the new covenant. But the fact that it's saying, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. We sing these songs, right? We know there's like a song that says, everyone who thirsts, come. He's saying there that there is a thirst within you to experience the love of God, to experience this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And it's saying, it's proving the point that you need his love. John 7, now on the last day, this is verse 7, uh, this is verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This is proving that there is a thirst. And he also talks about he is the bread, right, of heaven. Everybody who's hungry, there is a hunger and a thirst within you that he put, he designed when he, he formed you together in your mother's womb. He, had, he formed that, that peace for you to encounter his love, for you to experience him. And we experience this love, Romans 5, 5, such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then to kind of wrap this section up, if it was, there's a command, God actually commands us to experience his love, right? We talked about there's a, it's his will because there's a prayer of it in the very word of God. And there is actually something in us that he made that needs it. And then he also then commands us in John 15, 9, it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So here we go. We got Jesus modeling for us how to be a restored and re, uh, a redeemed son. And he's saying, this is the key right here. I've been loved by the Father. Now you, in the same way, remain, and I've remained in the Father's love. You, in the same way, remain in my love. Now, what does it mean to, re- to remain in his love? What does that look like? What does remain mean? Obviously, it means to not leave. <laughs> not leave that place of being loved, being the object of his love. Jesus is literally commanding his disciples this. Do not leave this place. And then he uses this metaphor, right, in, in John 15 about the, the vine and the branches, right? And what word does he use that the branches are supposed to do with the vine? Abide or remain. Same word there, same word in the Greek. In the same way that a branch is connected and is one with the vine, and is remaining there and is not leaving, the branch is not leaving the vine, you are supposed to remain in that place of being his beloved, of receiving his love. It's okay to be needy in this spot, in this area of your life. 
I'm trying to establish that because some people think, oh, I'm good. But you're not. Your life proves it. Your behavior proves it. So that's why I'm kind of really hammering this thing. You need his love. And you need to experience it. And you can experience it. All right. Okay, we might not get through everything here today, but let's, let's keep going. So number two, your love relationship with God, it's going to protect you from temptation. It's going to protect you from allowing the power of God to go to your head. And another way of looking at it, it's actually going to empower you to live a holy life, and it's going to allow God to work through you more and more powerfully. So, temptation. You know, it will protect you from temptation, experiencing his love every day. You know, because what is temptation? How, how are we actually tempted? You know, it's, it's, you can kind of think about it like this. Uh, if you have a need and you're hungry, you're going to fill that need just like you would if you're like you're, you're at your house and you're hungry and you go and you open the, the refrigerator door. You're, you're going to go and get up and you're going to feed that hunger, right? In the same way, that need that God put in you to be loved if it isn't filled, you're going to fill it with something else. You're going to fill it with something else, and that something else is never going to satisfy, really. And really, that is the definition of sin, is trying to meet that need in your own strength, in your own power, in your own independence of God. So, when you're full temptation, you're still going to be tempted. And there's still going to be battle. I'm not saying this is going to be all rosy, but like, it's not going to have a pull on you as much as it did. Does that make sense? And, um, and it's because you're full. So it's just like this. Think about it like this. So if I'm like, I'm in Maryland, right? I'm back at home uh, in Maryland, and I go to my all-you-can-eat crab houses. Anybody ever been to one of those things? Or they got like, you know, paper along the, the table and there's guts and shells and everything flying everywhere. Um, and I'm eating all I want on my blue crab feast, right? And I'm like at the end of it and Heather's over there eating like tater tots and corn and stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Paid good money for some crab. No. <laughs> um, that did happen actually one time. Uh, <laughs> And, and like, um, but like picture that, so, and I'm full, man. I'm like, man, I would just, I'd be so full. I'd make myself sick sometimes eating so much. And then like, and then be like, all right. And then everybody be like, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. Now that's like number two. That's like my second favorite food. And at that point though, I am not tempted one bit to eat any ice cream. I am so full. In the same way, when you are full of the love of God, when he is meeting that need to be loved, when temptation, when the enemy comes to your door and he starts tempting you, it's going to be easier to say no. Does that make sense? Because you're satisfied with his love for you. 
And you're not going to try to fill it with the need because that's what the enemy's doing when he's tempting you. He's trying to, he's, he's kind of like poking you at those places where you have need or you're weak because, and you're weak because you're, you're hungry, you're thirsty. You're looking for intimacy. You're looking for something to fill you. But when you're full in the love of Christ, you can just be like, mm, I'm not hungry. I'm full. I'm filled with him. He is all I really need. He meets every need in my heart. He really is that good. And he made us that way. All right. So let's talk about this in real life and you know, practical life here. John 4.10, you guys know the woman of the well story. I'm going to read through it real quick and just kind of, I might skip around a little bit just for the sake of time. And Jesus answered, so Jesus is hanging out at the well, right? You guys know the story. He's hanging out at the well. This woman comes in the middle of the day when everybody else had already gone to the well. And she comes up and Jesus starts talking to her, right? And Jesus answered her and says, and he's asking her for a drink, right? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? What are you, a man talking to me? I'm a woman, you know? And then Jesus says to her, and if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave the well and drank it himself, his sons and cattle. Jesus answered to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about this thirst. He's talking about this hunger. And you guys know what I'm talking about. When you fall into sin and you think it's going to fulfill you somehow, and then you, and you, you're done sinning, and you're empty. You're still empty. You're going to, that thirst and that hunger is still there. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. He then targets what she's been trying to fill her thirst with. Are you noticing this? He goes straight for the root. And then she says, The woman answered, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus has this word of knowledge and says, you've said correctly, you have no husband, uh, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not even your husband. This you have said truly. So Jesus, he starts, he, he kind of brings conviction in a loving way of the thing that she's trying to fill her God-made need with, with something that is not God and the love of God. She's filling it with intimate relationships with men. And we do this. Men and women through all our, you know, all our world, we are trying to fill this need with this intimacy with, with men and women through all kinds of immoral ways, right? Pornography, fornication, adultery, all of these things. We're, and that's what she was doing here. She's trying to fill that need, and she's blindly trying to fill it because she doesn't know that it is God who meets that need. And I'm saying that to you because we're going to be doing a lot of evangelism this year. 
And there's going to be a lot of people that are filling this need for the love of God with a lot of things. Most of the time, and I mean most, they are clueless that they're doing this. You were clueless when you were doing it. I still am sometimes, honestly. <laughs> and I say that to like have grace and compassion, just like Jesus had grace and compassion for this woman at the well. She, he knew she was clueless that she was trying to fill this God-made need with men. And that's why he pointed it out and brought conviction, I believe, to her heart. And then he was saying, you know, this thing that you're feeling, trying to thirst that you have, it's me. I'm the one who's going to fill it. I'm the one you're looking for in this man in all of these relationships with men. Does that make sense? This is important to see this. This will, we talk about holiness, and uh, some people get so religious about it, it makes me sick, honestly. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you guys about this, because um, whole, what is holiness? It isn't something that this some statue or uh, stature that we reach, you know, to like look at me. I'm holy. I don't sin anymore. I'm pure. I'm not like those heathen over there. No, holiness is a state that we step into because out of our intimate love relationship with God, we don't want to sin. You know, Scripture says in Romans that your new man, when you were born again, it desires and it is a slave to righteousness. It wants to do the right thing. It wants to know God. Jeremiah 24, 7 is a prophecy of God giving us a heart that actually wants to know him. And he's talking about the new covenant here, right? So in the same way, your spirit, man, wants to know God. It wants to do the right thing. It wants to be holy. And that's really the definition of holy in my, to my, in my understanding. It's not and, and it, because it has, it, it's become the same. Man, we just need to do better. We need to get better. We need to stop sinning. Man, if you encountered God and you were in intimate relationship with God, you wouldn't want to sin because it would hurt your beloved. And it talks about this right in John 14. It says, you obey my commands if you love me. And the Lord, when I was reading that one time, the Lord was like, yeah, just kind of switch that around and read it both ways. And it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And what he's saying is love empowers you to obey his commands because you want to please him because you are in love with him. That's the best way to keep us from sinning, really. Or what is it like? Um, protect us from, from temptation. All right. Yeah, we're not going to get there today. Sorry, guys. But uh, I'm going to try to wrap this up here. Um, but this is important that we understand this. Because here's the next part where we talked about, you know, even the Lord was showing us in November about love protects us from allowing power to go to our head and for power to be used selfishly. Because here's, here's the thing. Here's the ditch, right? So if you're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and like, 
people, God is using you to touch people in your arena or in your circle, those people are going to be attracted to you, and there's going to be a temptation to use the power of God to fill a need. Your need to be loved. Does that make sense? Man, we need to get that thing filled. (laughs) Because then God can trust us with his power, even more power. To see our city transformed, to see your families transformed, to see our state transformed, and hopefully eventually our countries transformed, we need desperately the power of God. Our nation needs the power of the Holy Spirit desperately. But I believe we, we have measures of it, you know, and, and biblically speaking, a lot of times like, well, Paul, like, you know, that's not really biblical. But yeah, it actually is. And, and you know, Travis was, he, he shared about it, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, about how you have these people who experience Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're doing miracles, signs, wonders. And then I think it's, uh, you know, Peter was uh, arrested, he got, and then he was, you know, the angel um, got him out of prison, and then he come back to the house, and then it says, you know, they prayed for even more boldness, and it says that they were filled again with the Holy Spirit and boldness, and they spoke even boldly, boldly the, the Word of God, the gospel, and God accompanied it with signs and, and wonders and miracles. So we, there are measures of the Holy Spirit that we can have. You know, Jesus said he had, you know, Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, it says. And I believe God's bringing us to a place where we will operate and we'll move in the power of the Holy Spirit in a greater measure, but it's going to be married with his experiential love. We're going to be grounded and rooted in his love so that when we're ministering under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that like that power is released freely and like freely we receive, we freely give, and we're not expecting anything in return. Does that make sense? Because that's what agape love actually means, is self-sacrificing. It's loving and not expecting necessarily in return, not needing to get something in return. And God wants us to operate and to minister from that place. And to do that, you, we can practically do this. We can actually live in intimacy, in a love, devotional relationship with the Lord daily so that, you know, when we do minister, we're already full. We're not going to be tempted to be using the power of God to, I don't know, somehow manipulate us. And, and you guys have seen this in the past where, like, you know, that has happened. All right. And, you know, Jesus, he kind of modeled this even some more, you know, Mark 630. You know, the apostles were sent out, the 12 were sent out two by two. They come back and they're like, man, you should have seen all this stuff, Jesus, that we did. It was pretty awesome. And then Jesus is like, he goes on, he says, um, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. There's this, this continual staying in intimate getting alone with him, experiencing his love, having that, that love relationship, that going back and forth of loving him and being loved by him. So, yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, we really don't have time to go 
I think we can, we can talk about this another time. I th- I, I'm going to be probably talking about this over the next couple of weeks, months. Um, but there are things, and, and I'll, I guess we'll kind of like leave it at this. There are things, you know, that, that we can do practically to receive and to experience the love of Christ in tangible ways. And, um, and some of these things, you know, that, that, um, that hinder us from experiencing his love, he's working on us right now about. And some of you guys already know those areas, okay? Because uh, there's two, two really major areas that I, I feel like the Lord wants us to, to address. And um, we don't necessarily have time to do it today, but, but I do want to talk about them and just kind of come almost like a homework for you guys. And we're going to just do a real practical exercise here um, about this. There's two specific areas that hinder us from receiving the love of Christ, from experiencing it. Okay, number one is, is believing that we're not worthy to receive it. And, and when, I, when I'm saying these two things, I'm saying this, don't discount that, that you don't fit in any of these, these two buckets because you don't see it. Okay? We all have blind spots. Usually our behavior is a better um, indicator than really what we think, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, the things that we do really speak louder than the things that we really think about ourselves. And um, so number one, there's a lot of people who will tell you straight to their face, say, oh, I'm, I'm a beloved son of God. I'm a beloved daughter. God loves me. And yet they are running themselves ragged doing ministry for God because there's something in them that thinks that they got to earn it somehow. And they're completely blind to it. Okay? And these are just some kind of indicators of this stuff. And here's a second one, okay, that I feel like the Lord wants to address here. And this is because we have been taught by circumstance that we can't expect love and that we need to fend for ourselves. And that comes in the form through rejection or abandonment. And you are literally wired. Some of us have been wired from where we were little kids, whether through as an absence of a parent, both emotionally and physically, to not open up because you've been abandoned, and if you open up, you'll get hurt. So you put up a defense mechanism of, like, I'm not getting hurt anymore. I'm putting up a wall. And you do that with other people, and you do that with God. But guess what? You can trust God. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to reject you. So anyway, so those are kind of these two areas that I feel like the Lord is highlighting within our body that he's, he's addressing. And I think you're actually in situations right now, if this is you, you'll know that you're in this situation because you're, you're either in situations where people are rejecting you and you're like, man, why do I always get in this relationship with this guy, these people, and they reject me, and I, 
and you got, you know, or, or like God, he's putting you in a situation where you have an offense towards somebody and that same type of person gets, keeps getting put in your life. I'm going to tell you right now, that's like God's fingerprints all over. And he's doing it not to punish you. He's doing it because he's wanting to get you free. And he's wanting you to get that wall down so that you can encounter his love for him. Does that make sense? Because he knows you need it. And out of his mercy, he, he, like, he addresses these things, even if it's uncomfortable. Because most of the time it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and this is the sanctification process, honestly. So he's going after these two areas in our lives. And we all have, we all have it to some degree, just to be real. Because we've all been rejected. Somebody's abandoned us sometime in our life. And we're not playing, let me get, be clear, we're not playing victim here, okay? We're not blaming those people. Our choice it was still our responsibility to choose that when we were rejected, to harden our hearts, to build up walls, all of those things. So that being said, we, we actually, there's actually a process of repentance that needs to take place, even though sometimes you have been the one wronged. So anyway, we'll, we'll go deeper into this um, next time or, well, as the Lord leads us. But I do want to do a, a practical exercise. There are practical things that you can do and first off is like the word of God renews your mind. The word of God. It is powerful. It actually has supernatural power. The word of God has supernatural power. It's not just words. This actually it can be transforming to your mind, the renewing of your mind, the word of God. It washes. It literally washes our mind. You get your brain washed. <laughs> in a good way. And um, so I do this practical exercise. The Lord had kind of told me to, to, to do this. And, and I feel like um, we're supposed to do this. Is that all right Like for us to do it? Like a, it's real simple. No one's going to get embarrassed, hopefully. <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody out. But it's real simple. I do this almost every day. You know, when I spend time with the Lord, first off, I spend time with the Lord every day. If you're not doing that, you can't have a continual love relationship with the Lord. That's number one. That's, that's step one. Okay? And I almost, I know this sounds crazy, but I almost feel like we need to have a, an equipping time with our body on how to spend time with the Lord. I talk to a lot of Christians that still don't spend time with the Lord. I don't know how you live. I would be probably, who knows where I would be if I, <laughs> how do you have a relationship with somebody when you don't spend time with them? Anyway, that's step number one. So step number two, I do this almost every day, and the Lord kind of showed that this helps me, okay? And, I, and, I, and we're going to try it here. If it doesn't help you, <laughs> try something, ask the Lord to show you an exercise, okay? But I'm just sharing you with what has kind of helped me because the Lord's been addressing this in my own heart, in my own life for a couple years. He's put me in situations with people that are like people that have rejected me in the past to point out areas in my life that like I'm still not allowing God in. I'm still not allowing the love of God to fill me. 
And I want everything he's got. I want to know experientially the height, the depth, the width, the length of it. Because I know out of it, it's sort of selfish too, because it's awesome experiencing God. Come on now. (laughs) It's not selfish though. God knows and he made it that way, right? You know? We were singing about today that, uh, you know what I mean? He's glorious. He's wonderful. I can't remember all the words, but we were, he's, he's describing, he's beautiful. Like, like it's all, there is nothing like him. Nothing. I've experienced a lot of things in this life, good and bad. Walking with the Lord, not walking with the Lord. Nothing even comes close to him. Nothing. I've experienced awesome, beautiful things in this life, in the physical, in the natural, but nothing even comes close to him. And um, so anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that, but okay, yeah, so so I, I do this every day, and I encourage you guys, if the Lord's leading you to do this and it's helping you, it, this is biblical, because what you're doing is you're, you're you're renewing your mind because you're basically just declaring scripture over yourself and you're actually you're exercising your faith in his word that he has spoken over you and me. And basically it's real simple. I say, Lord, I, I literally, I pray this, Lord, thank you that I'm your beloved. Thank you that I'm your son. Thank you for the awesome privilege of becoming your son and being your son and being your beloved. Lord, fill me now with your love to overflowing, like the Ephesians 3, you know, 19, it says that you would be filled up to all the fullness of God. I don't know if you can even measure the fullness of God. I mean, come on now, like God is eternal, but he wants to fill us up to all the fullness of God, the love of Christ. And so I ask, Lord, I just say, Lord, fill me up with the love of Christ. Fill me to overflowing. Overflow, like fill every nook and cranny of my whole being with your love that I'm just like, it's just squirting out of me. Like, I don't know, you know, overflowing out of me and it's touching everybody that's around me that I would love my wife because, because of your love for me. That just, it's just like overflowing. I would love my kids with this love that's just overflowing out of me. I would love my, my neighbor, my enemy, my church family. I would, this whole, I would live from this place of being remaining, staying in this place of being loved by you, of being your beloved. I pray that every day. I'm not there yet, okay? <laughs> Especially my, my kids and my wife, they know me the best. I still got areas the love's got to get in, you know? The love's got to get in those areas of my heart where frustration is still there. I need the love of God to get in there and just wash that out. When I get frustrated about things that aren't, it's not the Lord. Or like I react out of, I'm tempted to react out of my flesh into sin, reactionary, because the love of God has not entered that area of my heart. There's still a wall up. I'm still withholding him from going there. So I'm at, I literally ask like, Lord, just come and fill me. So can we do that today before we go? Can we close this thing? I just want to encourage you guys. You don't have to do this. I'm not going to force you to do this. <laughs> You've got to want this. 
First off, hopefully I was convincing enough that, to show you that you need this, and God knows you need it. And, I, and if he's a good father and he knows you need it, he's going to give it to you. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you a stone when you ask for bread. He's going to give you himself. He wants to give himself to you. He's not stingy like some of your parents were stingy to you, and you have this mentality of God's stingy. He's not stingy. He is extravagant. He is so extravagant. Thank you, Lord. So let's just do this together. Like literally, let's just pray out loud. You got to use your mouth. You got to use your words because you're activating your faith. Okay? You might, your brain might not even believe it. Some of you guys, this will be a struggle for you to do it. And that's okay. You don't have to totally believe it in your brain. Activate your faith by choosing to do it with your will. I believe your word, God. I don't care what my feelings say. I don't care what my history has said. I believe that I am your son. I believe I'm your daughter. Thank you. So let's start it off. So I, I, we're going to make it real practical, and uh, I don't know what's that. Have some liturgy here in our charismatic church. Like, so let's repeat after me. So we're going to say, um, "Thank you, Father, that I'm your son or daughter, if you're a woman. <laughs> it's okay. Thank, and then repeat after me. Thank you, Father, that I'm your beloved, that I'm the object of your love." Father, fill me with your love. Fill every area of my whole being with your love. That it would overflow out of me and it would touch others. Thank you for your love. It's important. When you, when you receive a gift, you thank for the gift. I'm just like, this is real practical here. You activate your faith through thanksgiving. You know that, right? So you say, thank you for your love. Thank you for filling me with your love. And it's not mine over matter, okay? This isn't like, it's faith. It's believing no matter what you feel, what your brain is telling you right now, you're saying, I am being filled with the love of God because the Word of God says that He has filled my heart with His love by His Holy Spirit in Romans. And I think it says in Galatians, you are all sons of God in Romans 8, that you have been given the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, where we cry out, Abba, Father, that there is this Abba, Father, love, devotional relationship that we are to experience every single day. And it's supposed to fuel us in our daily life. And it's supposed to fuel our ministry. Actually, ministry is supposed to be, is really a byproduct of this love, devotional relationship. It's just going to squirt out of you. I don't know. Get close to somebody and they get, you know, some Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, that happens. I've told you one of my favorite stories about Charles Finney. It's like he would go in these places, and, the, and he, the Holy Spirit, he was so full of the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, it would just kind of, he'd just be like minding his own business, and like people would just, you know, get 
convicted of their sin, falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. Or like Peter, you know, Peter's shadow, when it says Peter's shadow was healing somebody, it wasn't like Peter's like, okay, shadow, you just keep on ready. I'm going to walk by this person, and it's going to hit that person, and they're going to get healed. No, he was just living that devotional, intimate relationship with the Father, and that so much so that it was seeping out of him, his shadow was healing people. Peter isn't anything special, if you hear what I'm saying. I, trust me, I mean, you know what I'm saying. He is a man just like us, or a woman, you know. He's, he's human, and he lived this way. We can live this way. The veil is torn. We all can come in. All right. Well, thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just, I just bless my, my church family. I pray, Lord, you would continue to be, be revealing this to us, Lord. Show us areas that we aren't letting you in yet. And, Lord, help us to get past all that, Lord. We want to experience the height, the depth, the length, the width of your love. We thank you for it. And, Lord, we are asking for the power of your Holy Spirit to be poured out over our body. We want it, Lord. We want to be trusted with the anointing to change this city and beyond. So, Holy Spirit, continue to prepare us and to prepare a way for you to move in our city through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.